Hey, this is Kristen Yorka, host of the Wild Wonder podcast. I just wanted to jump in real quick and share with you a new opportunity on our Patreon page. Patreon subscribers now get access to the Wild Wonder book club, where we mainly focus on translated literary fiction and books by writers from marginalized communities. Book club members receive a monthly invite to our live coffee, no spoilers meetup, a Wild Wonder podcast tie-in, rituals, and more. To join our book club this month, become a Patreon supporter for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash wild wonder. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Wild Wonder Podcast, where we seek to democratize and demystify holistic wellness practices by speaking with today's leading practitioners. Today we have Heathen Witch and Occult Educator, Ash Yazuita. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much. It is wonderful to be here. Last we spoke, um, we were talking about pleasure activism and pleasure magic, Um, but today I really wanted to touch on the witchy high holidays because you are you have been recently teaching a class on these holidays do you mind explaining how that came about what was the desire to teach these kind of classes absolutely so I think that's something that came up to me in my own practice It, it was twofold one on doing my own work around stepping into to educating about occult topics. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that I have been so grateful to be able to do through a novel idea. Christina and Alex's incredible, uh, you know, indie bookstore in Philadelphia and South Philly. Um, but something I really wanted to do is push myself more to share the knowledge that I've gained over the uh, two decades plus of mm-hmm. witch and magical and occult practices I've been doing, but I have always been more on the side of, oh, it's great that I have this knowledge, but really, can I talk about it? Am I the best person to share about this? I mean, I've been doing it a while, but there mm-hmm. are people with way more knowledge than me, and I always read these amazing books, and and I am still a constant learner. And it was in this past couple of years kind of taking those little steps into teaching that I thought that this specific topic is something that anchored me in a clear year um, and Mm -hmm. would lean in not only to my knowledge of the holiday practices or the Sabbaths, but also each of the classes are connected to some individual practice. So the one coming up, we're going to be talking about solitary witchcraft and practicing magic in solitude last uh sabbath was yule and we talked about hearth magic and kitchen witchery so Mm -hmm. kind of blending this knowledge that i have and trusting myself to Mm -hmm. see that i can share and impart knowledge while also still of course learning both from the people who take my classes but also the the wide world around me i think i finally was i kind of gave myself the permission of yes i actually have things to share and yes i and we're like worthy of doing this mm. work, um, which is really important to me, um, especially if I think about the the topics of the holidays. One, there's so many views of witchcraft and these mm-hmm. holidays are primarily focused on Wiccan tradition. And there's a lot of Wiccan 
people who would say that it's really their practice that are these eight holidays that I am talking about in the classes, mm -hmm. but then there are so many practices in, in, in the class we go into. Yes, this is in bulk, but here is how heathens actually view this and they don't mm -hmm. actually do this. They do something called blank and they mm -hmm. do it this way. And in this folk magic, they do this. And, and it's been really cool to just leverage both contemporary practice like how do witches in 2022 celebrate this and also the long history not that i am a you know an a, a historian of all things but i do love researching and i love knowledge gaining and so what did these celebrations in ancient greek or in the americas pre um colonialism look like because mm -hmm these practices have been all over the world and now what we practice today in contemporary witchcraft is often kind of a sampling for better and worse there are really positive parts to that and then of course there's the decoloniality aspect of making mm -hmm. sure you know where your practices come from because right. we don't want to take from traditions that aren't ours to take from but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very certain that in 1950 England the the men primarily men who founded a lot of these traditions were not thinking about centering decoloniality no <laughs> of their sabbaths um mm -hmm. so that is something that i uh thought was a, a good topic to to bring to people because it allows for so much to be discussed right and really i know i know you mentioned on a pre on our previous um talk that you're not that much into um, lineage, like you don't feel that someone needs to be born into a lineage in order to practice it. Can you kind of explain that a little bit for those that aren't familiar? Yeah, sure. So I think that one of the things uh, that is really important is this idea that there are folks who have records and recordings in their family history is tied to magic and that is really really beautiful and it's mm -hmm. so amazing to say I mean I was talking to someone recently that's like yeah I learned this from my great-grandma and I was like that's <laughs> so beautiful that you right. you learned this practice to honor yourself and take care of yourself using plants that grow in your region of the United States mm -hmm. from your grandma like I yeah. love it yeah. um and at the same time, I don't think that you need to have come from a lineage of witches or known magic practitioners or healers in order to tap into your own magical power. And you can make it for yourself. I know a very popular, and sometimes I love this quote and sometimes I'm like, I, I get the the feedback on it mm -hmm. uh, is, you know, we are the granddaughters of the, the witches that you couldn't burn. And I'm like, that's so empowering. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, no, my, my grandmother was actually a Methodist woman who <laughs> probably thought really not great things about, right. you know, pagans. Uh, in, in when she was alive, I mean, she loved me and we loved reading books together. I know my, I was really close to my grandmother, but in order for us to center our own practice, we both, we can both hold, yep, I decided to pick up this mantle and I'm going to work on the generational stuff 
mm-hmm. whether or not my great 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 grandma was a witch or a not great person. That's actually something we talked about during Samhain because ancestor work so often. It's like, but I don't want to work with my ancestor. I know that they were bad people. I, I'm a white person who is of German and Czech descent, and it's the I'm on settler land. I mm-hmm. I am a settler colonialist, and I need to recognize that to both practice honestly do healing work that needs to be done because of my ancestor line mm-hmm. and also move forward in a way that doesn't completely negate the fact that I can step into witchy practices mm-hmm. while also recognizing that this, a lot of it I'm picking up. I'm picking up and going, what did this look like for people a thousand years ago? Because that's often what I'm thinking about in heathenry and in in pagan practices is pre-Christian European traditions. Mm-hmm. Who knows what part of my family practiced that? I certainly will not be able to get that on Ancestry.com. <laughs> I'm going to need to do a little bit of guesswork and, and not feel like I'm cut off from it mm-hmm. um, entirely. So, so when you work in within these, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, within these themes... Yeah. Um, what traditions are you generally pulling from? Yeah. Or is it more open? Um, I think for me personally, it is open in the sense that my gods tend to, the, the if I look at my altar right now, I'm like sitting right across from it. I have mm-hmm. a lot of different traditions, but the primary tradition that comes out is uh, Nordic and Germanic. Um, paganism, that's just something that I fell into. I really loved the scholarship around it. I really, I was a person that was very drawn to, wow, we simply will not say that that's the story unless we have some scholar naming (laughs) that. Sometimes to a point that it's not a fault point for most people by any means. I don't want to belittle it, but there are times Mm -hmm. when I'm like, I just, I, we, I know we don't know the relation between Freya and Frigga, but I'm going to say she's this and she's that, and that feels really good for me and empowering mm-hmm. for me to have them separate. And I, I cannot constantly be on the, the move of like, oh, the new scholarship says maybe it's this. So change yeah. everything you're practicing. Um, but I do know folks who do. The, it is, they're reconstructionists. So if there is not like proof, anthropological, archaeological proof, they don't include it in their magic. They don't include it in their faith. And that's mm-hmm. a completely valid way to go. For me, I'm a little more significantly more open than that, where I think about the mythology and the stories and mm-hmm. what those archetypes are. Mm-hmm. And I love that archetype being in my space. So during our pleasure mm-hmm. magic conversation i am pretty sure i mentioned that freya freya is mm-hmm. deeply important to me she's a goddess of sex and death and yes we have some stories about her that we know but there's a lot that we don't right. and there's that recognition too and this is the side note bullet point of all of the european practices that we have mm-hmm. a lot of the scholarship that we have is either constantly changing or it was found and written by white men. I am mm-hmm. literally reading a book right now called Harlot's Whores and Hackabouts. Ooh, and it talks about, about my list. yeah, it is so great so far. And one of the things they talked about was 
um, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, when it was found, there mm -hmm. was a central character who who was in who she was a from what we know a prostitute that was asked to basically tame a mm. wild man and when this book was the epic of gilgamesh something that a lot of people read in school when it was first published the archaeologist who found it literally didn't include it because he was so uncomfortable with mm female sexuality and the empowerment and what does it mean that the woman needed to go and tame the man what why didn't Gilgamesh just like I don't know <laughs> take tame care himself. of himself with his masculine <laughs> bravado right and so the the researcher literally was just like nope we're not doing that one and it wasn't until like 40 50 years later in like the early 1900s and someone was like there's nine lines in this poem that you all cut out <laughs> that's important that's important it changes what we know right um, but i i use that illustration to say the research we have is also of course based on culture and structures and what's mm -hmm. considered appropriate a lot of what we know about heathenry is tied literally from a monk a christian mm -hmm. monk five six hundred years later is the one who wrote the story so when we see the big bearded Woldan or odin Mm -hmm. Was he a big bearded king of the gods? Maybe that might totally be the, mm -hmm. the research, but it also is very Christian God sounding <laughs> in the sky. Right. And so we need to be mindful of where we get this historic record too, because that in mm -hmm. itself, I mean, to, to, think through history in the way that we have it is is immensely important when it comes to all of this. And and all of that, I know this is about the holidays and the Sabbaths, but mm -hmm. all of this thinking and conversation we're having goes into why I thought those classes were both interesting to teach and important to teach because mm -hmm. unpacking where the Wiccan tradition, which did tons of work in order to kind of create these eight holidays, why? Right. How? What did they borrow from? What do we know on the record? And what do we have no idea? I'm also mm -hmm. reading another amazing book right now called Blood and Mistletoe by the an expert researcher on modern pagan movements, uh, Ronald Hutton. He wrote The Witch. Mm -hmm. um, that was his most recent book. And it is literally 46 pages of what we directly know about Druids. So we're thinking all of our Celtic holidays, all, there's four, We all the cross-border holidays are uh, Celtic. Okay. Um, and it's 46 pages of the literature that they know for a fact and about 500 additional pages on how we then made stuff up based on 46 pages of research. Yeah, and, and it's also, how do, we, how do we relate to that too? Yeah. I sometimes get, struggle with like, does it matter? Does it need yes. to be factual to matter, you know? Yeah. So like and how think... much of the practice needs to be like, oh, somebody proved that this is how people practiced a thousand years ago and how much of it is just, oh, I relate to this in some kind of emotional or spiritual way and therefore it benefits me, so I don't care. Yes, and I absolutely love you bringing that up because that is at the end of the day and, and, and paired with that, I have so many thoughts here. Um, knowing a bit of background to just know what we do know and don't know 
and then being able to make the wise decision because I think in so many traditions and for so many young or new witches, I know there's like a movement of calling uh, themselves baby witches. I know some people love that term. Some people hate that term. (laughs) But if you are new and looking for, hey, what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. I... I mean, as a person who teaches classes, I am happy to educate and talk and share ideas and hear other people's ideas. And at the end of the day, what you said, does it matter? This feels right to me. I connect with this on a deep level. Mm -hmm. To be able to trust yourself in that way is so important. And I think a lot of folks, I know, I mean, many moons ago, many, many, many moons ago, (laughs) I had the 365 and a day, year and a day, and I somehow sc- like scrapped up the money. I have no idea because it was very expensive to do the whole thing. Like, mm. I mean, it, when I was like 15, it felt like a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> maybe today it wouldn't feel as expensive, uh-huh. but I'm in a very different, very privileged position when it comes to to funds now. Like, I can mm. splurge. Uh, mm. once in a while, like targeted in a in a smart way. Mm. Whereas when I was 15 and trying to be a good witch, I was like, how am I supposed to buy this herb? Like I can't do 365 <laughs> years in a day and I'm trying to do it exactly the way this book told me. Mm. And if I mess this up, then I'm not dedicated. I'm not a good witch. I'm not good at magic and the gods that I already don't even know how I feel about the concept of gods because I came from a, a an atheist perspective, mm. um, which is not as uh, common. My family was religious, but they didn't teach me religion, so I just kind of mm. came as a blank slate, kind of. Yeah, um, I can feel you on that one. My parents weren't particularly religious, so they just let me pick. But yeah, yeah sometimes it makes it more confusing because it, you it know, did. You kind of fall into things. Like I was like really into Catholicism as a child, and my parents were not. And so I was like, this <laughs> that's fascinating. Like going to church on Sundays because I felt like it was important to me until it wasn't. And yeah, that's another thing to reconcile, right? Right. No, and it's it's so interesting to see how being able to play in that way and and play. I know some folks would not want so loose of a term to be applied, but to find mm-hmm. yourself, to find what works for you. And I think that there is a real gift around the conversation now about you can find what works for you and just do it. Like if Mm -hmm. you want to celebrate the Sabbaths in very specific ways, and I kind of go into this in the class, I'm like, well, this culture does this and this culture does this, and this is where we pulled that from. And this is where we pulled that from, that that actually took place in July. And we just threw it into January Mm -hmm. because some Pope wanted to celebrate this saint. So it's all made up. And if I'm saying it's all made up in a loving way, not in a belittling way, not in an undermining way, then take what you love and discard what you don't love. And then, of course, the grand caveat that I always add is be sure that you are not disrespecting disrespecting a practice that's not your own. Like, of course, there are closed practices that you should not appropriate because you feel like, wow, that's super interesting. Like, mm-hmm. cool, I'll level with you. That's a really beautiful practice. How about you try something that honors that same notion, mm-hmm. but isn't an appropriating, like, cosplaying of 
a native tradition or hoodoo or voodoo where you you would work with an educator you would work with a high priestess or high priest to learn those traditions and so there's also that grace involved of you can find something like oh my gosh like sun god yes i need to do something with this sun god i saw this amazing event in peru and i absolutely fell in love and this just felt so right for me cool Let's talk about other ways that sun gods can manifest and how you can honor the people practicing that now, donating money, funds, kind of really like this is beautiful, but also not stepping into something that's not your own. I think that can get a little bit funky I know too. Kind of the but... humble heart and like, yeah. Yes, yeah. That, that's what I always struggled with in the yoga world many years ago. I was like, okay, so these people did let's say a weekend training and all of a sudden their name is Ganesh and they have a ponytail. You know what I mean? Like what? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I was always I've so confused. It. I was I've like, okay, it. Todd from Connecticut. Now you're a Ganesh and you have a long ponytail and you worship all these other gods from India. I was like, it's fine if you like, I still chant mantra to Ganesh in the morning. But I, I recognize it's not mine, and I hope I did enough scholarship in it to do it in a respectful way. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like it's not performative because it's just mine, you know. I was going to say, there's also something to be said, too, about outward monetary gain mm -hmm. and a personal practice. Like, I am yeah. certain that there are some things that I still... I try not to, you know, when I'm thinking of the really big ones, like the white sage, I don't buy white sage. I don't need to. I like to grow my own sage. Um, and, but the, I'm sure there are things that people would say like, oh, well, if you're really heathen, can you just take a god from this other pantheon? And like, Pers I love Persephone, the story of Persephone and mm -hmm. Hades. I actually really uh, adore Hades in a lot of ways, too. Um, obviously, there's complexities to that story, but that complexity mm -hmm. mirrors a lot of my life experience. So I... I felt deeply for these two gods. And I know many folks would say that's not the same because it's the Greek pantheon. But mm. I will say that there is a lot of times that I sit and reflect like, okay, yes, I I understand that it's not the exact same of, of appropriating a living culture by no means. Mm -hmm. But I've heard a lot of amazing scholarship and conversation on Egyptian gods. And the African diaspora and colonialism and imperialism and the fact that the reason we know so much about these gods are because white people were really interested in it and pilfered tombs like they they desecrated sacred space of the dead and of course we, i mean we know the we created paint and and had parties in parlors exhuming tombs and to think of now of course you know yes the person in 2022 that is interested in the egyptian pantheon is not the same as the victorian who is desecrating a, a mummy mm -hmm. but honoring and recognizing knowledge and how we gain that knowledge is not to say do not do it but it is to say do research on what it means to bring it into a personal practice, and it might make you view your practice a little bit differently, not to say discard it, but to have that, this is gonna be something that I personally do in the morning. I know that I've researched this. I know that this is important to me, but I'm also not going out and prophetizing. Like I'm not 
trying to pretend that I am something that I am not. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a way too, even in the conversation to name and how you just named, this isn't mine, but it's something that's meaningful for me. Mm -hmm. Lends to that acknowledgement of you can find beautiful things that you honor and not at the same time, make it your being. You, mm-hmm. you, we don't need to right. parade in our being. We can be ourselves and as observers take in, you know, yeah, this is actually a practice that's really important to me or a God that's deeply important. And as such, I'm going to make sure that I do some research on what that means. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I try to be very mindful if there is a way for me to. So if it was the Kemetic Egyptian thing, is there an organization in Egypt working to reconstruct? Can I, you know, if I have a little bit of extra money or if I have a way to, even if I don't have money, can I share that they're doing this? It is free for me to share on my social media, like, hey, these people are doing really amazing scholarship on this. This is worth checking out. If anybody I know has the funds, please donate a couple of dollars to this great work. And you're giving back in a way that I think a lot of folks are just not sure exactly how to navigate that world. Yeah, it's kind of like spirituality Starbucks. You're like, I'm going to take half of this and mix in this and dash in this yep. and make it mine. And make it mine. <laughs> and, and there's a place where that is okay. Mm-hmm. So long as you are being mindful, because I know I have been pulled by things like traditions yeah. that I'm just very... I, my easy example is Japanese Shinto. I, I, mm-hmm. I will tell people that I went to Japan and it is the first time that I actually felt a land spirit connection mm-hmm. because Japan was one of the first places that uh, just because of where I was traveling, like I, I very clearly had an opportunity to see how folks taking care of really, really small, super remote shrines were connected to like their livelihood. And I was mm-hmm. Coming from the United States, the Eastern Seaboard, I was like, oh, I've never seen this type of experience. And I really get why people do. I wasn't sure on the whole Mm -hmm. religion thing. I wasn't sure about the whole God thing. But this really speaks to me. And I had to do that work of and, and even then I was like, this feels, I don't want to be that person who like eat, pray, loved into understanding (laughs) not to belittle it, but how do I do work around? Okay. So what does that mean for me going back to the United States? Mm -hmm. How do I honor the land in my country? Cause I was not as a settler colonialist, not taught how to do that. The native stories are erased or taught at very specific times of the year in very specific ways. And Mm -hmm. I had a lot of, a lot of work and I still have a lot of work to say, wait, this is sacred land to someone, just not, not any of my people. So how can I recognize those folks, try to give back in small ways, elevate voices? Because this, this spirituality is not new. I'm not creating something. Actually, I'm returning and trying to learn from old ways of being and like more Mm -hmm. set ways that that were here before my ancestors came. But maybe Um, that's the connection because I see um, witchcraft as very materialistic, not in the negative definition of materialism, but as in everything's right here, right now, what we experience in our bodies and on this earth. And if you're recognizing something about an earth practice that you like, 
maybe through witchcraft or your own experience of witchcraft, that's what you're doing for yourself here, just within your own dialogue. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Because, um, so I want to go back to the the actual, what we're supposed to be talking about yes. <laughs> is the witchy high holidays. Um, yeah. So if we could circle back. So most of the names you said, the the kind of threshold holidays are Celtic, at least the names are. But yep. And what are those? Yeah. So we have in the year. Um, it's it's kind of funny to think of it as the the the. So there's the wheel of the year, and mm-hmm. you. There are eight total. <laughs> Here we go. There are eight total. There are the fall, spring, summer, and winter uh, equinoxes. Right. So we have our celebration of the first day of spring, first day of winter, first day of fall, and first day of summer. So those four, um, which shift a couple of days left or right, depending on when that actually happens in the calendar. We now have literally tools in order to determine that. Mm-hmm. In various traditions, there have been a lot of ways, and we have a lot of monolith structures that show us that ancient people figured out the highest point of the sun or the longest day or shortest day through brilliant technologies that are very different than our computer systems that we now have. Um, So I'm thinking a lot of people immediately go to Stonehenge, but there are so many structures literally all across the world um, Mm. that help people determine that. So those are four. So there's Yule, which is the first day of winter, so late December. Alstera is spring. Litha or Litha is summer. And Mabon is fall. Mm -hmm. Um, Those holidays tend to actually pull from heathen or Germanic slash Nordic naming conventions. Mm -hmm. But everybody, everybody, it's just such a a worldwide global phenomenon to talk about the first day of winter or the first day of of Mm -hmm. summer. Um, So there are so many sources out there of cultures doing celebrations for this. Um, Mm -hmm. Literally on every single continent, I have found celebrations to spring and winter. On most continents, I have found Mm -hmm. celebrations to spring and fall. And then the cross-quarter holidays, which are basically in between those, Mm -hmm. are in bulk, which is coming up February 1st, Beltane, Lugnasad, and Samhain. Those are all Celtic. Um, in their derivation. So Imbolc, Beltane, Lugnasad, and Samhain. Um, so they tend to be big bonfire festivals. It was really common in, from what we know, um, in like Celtic sources that we have, uh, bonfires were really, really important, whether they were small personal bonfires at home, or if they were big uh, kind of community bonfires that we have some information on where in what is now Ireland, where or Wales, uh, those are Scotland, that area. But primarily we have, like, we know that these were the big modern-day counties, but this is where people would celebrate, and we have records of this being done. But the Wheel of the Year as we know it now, it's a fairly recent invention, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like the 50s, 60s maybe? Yes. So um, Wiccan... 
practitioners, um, there are a few folks that have specific like, haha, you did it. Um, there is, gosh, there's one gentleman that I always forget his name, but he's basically the one who named them all. I can look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorian Valenti was considered really important just in terms of her work with Wicca, um, Gerald Gardner. These are the folks who really were pulling sources. However, we can look that a little bit older. You're looking at the, you know, Hermetic Dawn and Crowley. Like these mm-hmm. folks are also trying to create calendars, um, but they were not the same calendar. Really, the eight here's the wheel of the year came about in the 50s, 60s with mm-hmm. contemporary Wicca. Um, and the calendar follows. And the reason why it's the wheel of the year um, for our listeners that are like, why are we saying this term so much? Mm-hmm. Is it supposed to follow um, two kind of ideas? One is the cycle of the earth, like life and death and rebirth cycle. Mm-hmm. So life, death, and rebirth. And then the other, um, which is a very wicked sounding thing when I say it out loud, and I'm like, huh, that is one that is created but not a bad thing is following mm. of a pregnant woman mm. so the leading to the birth literally to the like okay this is the birth this is the post-birth this is the pregnancy this is the swollen belly and that really if you think about it follows what is going on with the earth the planting of the seed mm-hmm. the growing the growing the growing and then the harvesting and the need for recuperation following the final harvest um and that rest before you plant another seed. And that is the the way that the, the holidays tend to go. And even with the magic that you practice for them, that's connected to it. So if this is supposed to be a, a planting period in bulk coming up, um, mm-hmm. you are thinking about what do you want to grow? What intentions do you have? Um, mm-hmm. For the classes I make, I make little ritual kits, and and one of the ritual kits, I was like, oh, this would be a really great time to do an intention growing. So here's a pot, here's some cute seeds, write your intention on the seed paper and plant it. And then you're going to watch your intention bloom. Whereas when you're getting into the fall, it's, okay, now, how are you grateful and thankful for what came to? How can you look at the past and honor these are the things that came to me and when you get to Samhain it's how did your ancestors help that and Yule really is a a resting period what do you need protection with you're both looking at the past year and then preparing for the future so what happened Mm -hmm. that maybe you want to do a protection spell for because you want to get ready for the next because it's a cycle Mm -hmm. you want to get ready for the next season of planting so what are you going to take away as a lesson that is going to be really important for you to do protection around and then you replant your goals and your Mm. your, you know preparing for the next year well it also this way of thinking or meditating on these uh, on the wheel of the year it kind of makes me think it's pulling us out of this capitalistic need to like always create always manifest more 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 create 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 Mm -hmm. which is exhausting and impractical and it's just not how the earth works Nope. Um, so it's kind of like a permission slip to be like, okay, this is a season where you're not doing anything. Like I, I kept meditating on the idea during this past season, like this is a season to excavate. Let's like yes. dig through before we move forward. Because if we're constantly moving forward, we end up where we don't want to be. 
you know. So I think it gives, a, I, at least that's what I find in following some of these more um, earth-based practices. But I'm curious to know what draws you to these practices. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I think what you're saying just really hits it so much for me because I am a, a person that just wants to go all of the time. Um, I was just saying to uh, two of my friends this morning, like me and my partner, we're doing really well. And I just feel like we have hands in every pot right now. Like what is, and big, big things, like what is the big thing for, you know, home buying? What is the big thing for family building? What is the big thing for uh, commitment ceremonies? And what, and you're con like every conversation is like, so what's up? And it's like, whoa, I got to a point these past few days have been really, really rough and mm -hmm. and filled with like kind of weird anxieties that I don't yeah. normally hold and have. And I, I finally this morning we were sitting and talking and I was like, you know, we need a pause. Not we need a pause. Like we're right. great. We're so great that we can think of all of these things, but doing basically three of some of the biggest things that people do in a, in, in their like life partnered, not partnered, whether it's a friend, romantic partner, it doesn't matter. You're having mm -hmm. these conversations with people. It's a big thing. Yeah. Um, well, let's just enjoy one another. <laughs> let's just enjoy what we have right now. And we'll keep, you know, the background's going to keep humming, but let's take a weekend where if we get mail, like, you know, emails from our realtors, we're going to just take a gamble and delete them without opening them, mm -hmm. which is hard for me because I'm like, but what if we're passing up the golden opportunity? And it's like, right. we're not. If it was the golden opportunity, it wouldn't come in an email when I said I'm creating a boundary. Right. And these, and to go back to the question really directly, these holidays really help people when you see them as a whole really clearly one see the connection to what you can do personally and two just see how we are removed from nature in so many ways i say we i know not everybody is but so many folks um in our hyper capitalist hyper patriarchal mm -hmm. hyper materialistic in the owning everything and, and hoarding of wealth sense um there is a real disconnect. And so it's the grind and it's the hustle and it's just trying to, to get at anything. Whereas when you're looking at these and you're like, wait a minute, I'm about to celebrate in bulk, which is literally about like, let me clean my house. Let me open the windows and get cold air in. Cause that feels good. Mm -hmm. Let me sit at my altar and figure out what I want to do with it. What do I want to do with my goals? And let me give myself permission to be lazy, even though you're not. I mean, looking inward and doing spirit work is not laziness, but we relegate it to that because I'm not making money. I'm not profiting. Mm -hmm. right. And having a clear sense that, yes, of course, listen, it might not be at manifesting time that I find <laughs> that we find our house, but it does give me a sense of like, hold up. This is, this is the relaxing time. This is hibernation time. This is like we have our stores of food and we are being careful and mindful so we don't run out of them. 
and we are taking care of each other. We're taking care of our communities. We're checking in. We're making sure everybody's healthy. Do you have enough? Do you need anything from me? We're showing up for people in really deep, meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm specifically thinking of this time at Imbolc, but then even moving into the spring and noticing like, okay, let me think what I do want to work on. What is important to me? Because I can't do it all, all of the time. Do I have one or two really big goals that literally in sound, I was so proud of myself this year because it was, it doesn't happen every year, but when it does happen, I'm like, yes. Where I was able to sit during Samhain, during Yule, and really think like, this is what I wanted to do in the spring. And F yes, I did that thing. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be shouting it from the rooftops. I want everybody to know how good I'm feeling and how much I've grown because I, I set a task for myself that wasn't a do every day thing. This was, I mean, my my goals in the spring were I went through a divorce uh, in Samhain of two years ago, mm-hmm. last year now, not 20, of 2020. And I wanted to lean into love and I wanted to lean into balancing this idea of independence, which is important, mm-hmm. and not meaning that I need to close myself off. And to be able to reflect and see over the the whole year like oh my gosh i did that and i did that because i took moments for me to reflect at every beat like every couple of months it was like check in am i feeling good okay cool yeah i'm feeling good oh i should reach out to this friend i lost connection with them and like i was loving when we were talking every like three weeks let me text my friend that actually happened a few days ago where i was like hold up check in i haven't reached out to kara in a bit I love talking to Kara, hold up. <laughs> right. But being able to do that in a, a clear way, <clears throat> it really allows you to give yourself permission to focus on you when, of course, there's outside things that are like not going to allow you to focus on you. Especially because- in the last two years, I feel like I used to be really good about connecting with the earth and not being an anxious person and like really taking my time with things. But when you're constantly surrounded, well, things are coming at us. I don't think any of us had a good two years. Um, And then the the state of the world and the state of the earth. And then you feel like you have to do something. Well, at least I was feeling like I have to do something all the time because if I'm not doing something, I don't know what the thought is next, but we're all going to die. I have to be doing my part. We have to move forward. We can't be stuck here. Um, That level of anxiety I had never experienced before. And it's taken me probably till now to be able to like, okay, the world will not fall apart if I take, you know, 30 minutes in the morning to like check in and see how I'm doing and and kind of work on my practices and go deeper into my practices, it'll probably make me a better person, actually, because we're not yes. doing so hot in this other mode. Right. Yeah. No, it is. It's a it's living with acute stress and there's trauma tied to that, right? So many pe- people have experienced loss or have feared experienced loss. Um, <clears throat> anybody who had any major life event, I know folks raising children whom their child has never like didn't touch their grandparents for months because we needed to all be hyper cautious. We did not know 
And now you have these like little one and two year olds that have no socializing, like socialization skills. Right. And it's, it's not, parents are doing everything right. <laughs> and the kid is doing everything right. It is, it is just the mode of being of being in some ways physically disconnected or having to be anxious if you're opting not to be. Um, or for me, I can speak for me, being anxious when I see people not being anxious about it, where I'm like, no, we all need to be at high alert. What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, and I think that what has been very, very cool um, leaning into the Sabbaths and also uh, Moon Mat, like it does not have to be the Sabbaths for listeners who are like, I don't really jive with that idea. Um, doing a full moon or a new moon ritual, like a once a month or once every two months, this is my time that I'm going to give myself. It is really lovely if you have folks that you feel comfortable with. Again, if they're witches, awesome. If they practice spiritually the way that you do, awesome. If they're just a friend who you like to talk to and you decide, hey, can we set up a call every full moon? Like, I'll drink tea. It's not going to be a magic thing because I know that's not what you're into. That's okay. But can we can we carve out this time for one another? And can we talk about, you know, whatever? It could be a ritual. It could just be oh, we're going into the Cancer full moon and that's like deeply into the inner emotions. I'm going to sit with a friend and just be like, how you, how are you feeling? It, it doesn't need to be a deeper like thing. It can be a journal. It can be a ritual. It can be a practice. For the Sabbaths, there have been many years that I have sat with friends and family that are not into my spiritual practices, but they're cool with me lighting a candle and then telling them a little bit like, yeah, in bulk, this is kind of the thing. We talk about Bridget. We talk about, you know, this god or goddess. Um, and she's all about like fertility and the family. And so I'm wondering if we can just spend some time talking about our family feelings, whether that's positive or negative. And like, if you're doing this with someone, then like, what about our chosen family? How do we feel with our relationality? So it doesn't need to be, oh, you're picking out the poem that, you know, they wrote in 1952 and you're presenting it under a specific moon, under a specific day, under specific, in a specific location. It, that doesn't jive with many, many people, but sitting and talking about the big themes Mm -hmm. And maybe framing some activities around those big themes. Like, okay, what are your goals? I know New Year's knew nothing. <laughs> right now, having just started January, like you got through the month. Yes, now we have a little bit more of an idea of 2022. Mm -hmm. What's something that you want to do this year? Outside of New Year, new you, new body, new improvements, fake money, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Um, and I know there are people who live for that calendar and do it really well, so I don't mm -hmm. want to disrespect that. But I know personally for me, I don't, I don't do New Year intentions. I do a I lot know. of magic at the New Year, but yeah. I do not do anything that's like, what am I planning? No, I feel, but also I think for me, it's just like my rebellious spirit. Like the second I say I'm going to do this, my whole body is like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. No. 
I will not allow it. No, I totally get that. Um, so yeah, I think that the the Sabbaths can be really beautiful in that way too, just for building connection. And oh, specifically thinking about the last two years, what's really nice if you are a person exercising more caution, which I know a lot of us have to go back mm -hmm. to, like it, we're ebbing and flowing based on yeah. new data, new research, new strains, new reality. Um, all of these things are really easily done via Zoom or like mm -hmm. via an online platform or, you know, people will do Discord with friends. Like there's so many ways mm -hmm. to connect and not to add another like, oh, go and talk on a video because that could be really straining for people if that's also mm -hmm. their work environment. But if they have capacity for it, you can totally do your own stuff. Yeah, well, I like that you said that you could just have it be a moment for connection and it could be really easy because it reminded me four or five years ago with I was able to do a ritual with my grandmother. It was not my intention. I just was trying to figure out my own magical lineage at the time. It has changed so much since then. But I realized that her mother was from Galicia and it's actually a um, Gaelic part of Spain. So I was like, so they must have some kind of ritual around Samhain. So like a couple Google searches later, I found the actual ritual, which was very simple, um, which was essentially some sort of fire water in a clay pot and you set it on fire and you essentially honor whoever's died over the year or honor your ancestors and then you each take a little shot of the fire water and that was it. And I had, I had no idea that my grandmother even knew about that ritual, but she's like, how did you know that? And I was like, I didn't. I looked it up. <laughs> she's like, my mom did that. And I was like, and it was this great moment of that's connection because so she never cool. talked about her. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Absolutely. I think that the, the idea of elaborate or having to buy into things mm. is, I mean, capitalism I will always, I will, always, I try not to sometimes, and sometimes <laughs> I don't try at all. I'm not trying particularly hard today not to hound on capitalism, but that that is part of the issues with Wicca and paganism too, and not Wicca specifically. This is just mm -hmm. a blanket statement with paganism. It's similar to what we were talking about before with the idea of decoloniality or recognizing our knowledge gaining practices. A lot of folks will come to Wicca or paganism because they really want to reject mm -hmm. the, the, the big three primarily. Um, and they are, it is in rejection to some, like a, an indoctrination that they grew up with that they're really uncomfortable with that can be very patriarchal and, and they don't drive with it for those reasons of how it was taught to them and brought to them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to also recognize that in paganism, in these ancient cultures. <laughs> I mean, we got the word patriarchy from one of the cultures that were like, they've got us. And I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. They were a slave-owning society. I am speaking of Greece and Rome. Like, they are a slave-owning society that we uh, kind of ritualize in the West as, like, the great Western thinkers, while primarily completely ignoring cultures that are not tied to Rome and and that lineage mm -hmm. that did just as amazing things that were democratized as well that you learned math that had the number zero that's right. some of the things that I like to jump into and there are vast amounts of knowledge all over mm -hmm. and the things that we want to push against 
it's not to say don't practice this sort of witchcraft because it's tied to patriarchy or it's tied to capitalism or you have to buy all these things to do mm. the book correctly, which was something I felt very deeply in my own history. You can do the healing work for yourself. Mm. You can set, you can reject the notion that you must spend X amount of dollars in order to buy fancy ritual tools. Right. You can go get a stick outside. <laughs> a rock. Say, that, like <laughs> legit. There's go down to a creek and you're gonna creek. You're gonna find a rock. You're gonna find some mud. You're gonna feel the air and you're gonna be near a body of water. Boom. There's your magic. <laughs> you don't need to buy a fancy receptacle to hold it. Do it if you want to. My altar is filled with tchotchkes that have been gifted to me that I have found that I have curated over decades I mean some of them are, are older than my witchcraft practice because they are gifts from my grandmother um, that I put on my altar that which is something she bought me that she liked and I kept it forever and ever and ever um, but you do not need to buy into these practices they can be inexpensive they can be simple and that doesn't make them less than. That doesn't make it so the magic isn't going to work. You can celebrate any of the holidays with nothing. You can bring your body and spirit, and that is all you need to manifest magic. It is so much fun to have all the stuff. Don't get me wrong. I make ritual kits. It's cute to do a thing, have a tactile thing, light the candle. Your magic is just as strong if you don't have that if you want that because it feels good for you awesome what's a before we go what's an awesome way to celebrate in bulk coming up where you don't need all the tchotchkes and stuff whether you're a solitary witch or baby witch or you're in community yeah so my um biggest suggestion for in bulk is cleansing and spring cleansing so i break down um in my class the 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 cleansing into three parts there's the spiritual the psychic and the physical and the way that i talk through that is uh physically pick a room if you don't want to do too much pick a room pick a space pick a bookshelf a bookshelf of things that you really love and you just want to dust off because you really mm -hmm. love those books and you want to honor those books or you have an urn of your a family member's ashes and you just want to make sure that you wipe it down with a cleanser because maybe you have it for a while mm -hmm. cleaning the physical space does not need to cost any money decluttering uh if you're looking spiritually um you literally can open a window and use that clear air and do some meditation or grounding around opening yourself up if you work with a deity to that deity's ideas and practices if you don't just to your own mind where does your mind wander when you sit and you feel cold winter breeze on your back um, or just beautiful warm air depending where in the world you would it are be, would it be now that you say that would it be a good time to ask to open up to your guides too because i know a lot of people are always yes. asking like how do i get in touch with my guides Absolutely. It would be a great time. Again, breezing air and just stillness and quietness and like letting the outside be the only thing that moves. Trees rustling. Um, I'm in a very busy city. You've probably heard all sorts of honking and, and things, but oh, I will still open up that construction window. here. <laughs> yep. I will open up that window and just enjoy that. 
Um, and then the in terms of the psychic sort of cleansing, I am a big believer in the bath or mm -hmm. the um, kind of taking time for yourself. So something that I suggest for folks is if you can acquire, you don't need to buy them if you don't want to, mm -hmm. um, but if you can get an essential oil, oil and regular salts, you can make a little salt bath or you can, you know, buy for inexpensive, you know, lavender salts or a bath bomb. Mm -hmm. And if you have nothing, that's totally fine. You can grab some lemons. It's actually really popular to get yuzu in Japan and throw mm -hmm. yuzu, like full. So in America, we mm -hmm. wouldn't get yuzu, but you could get lemons, full lemons, slice them and put them in your bath water. Um, if you, because I've also, if you don't have a bath, because some of us are not fortunate enough, Right. You can get a bowl and get super hot steaming water and you can do a face steaming um, as a way to kind of symbolically participate in all of these things. But also that feels really good. I used to do facial steams all the time when I only had a shower. Mm -hmm. um, I also know that there are now, if you can afford like the five, six dollars, which some folks can and some folks can. And it's OK, of course, if you can't. But there are um, shower steams. Um, you can also get pieces of eucalyptus and like mm -hmm. tie it to the shower and that'll create that same um experience i used so, to only have a shower and i used to tie eucalyptus every year and i just loved it it was the best it's, I was like everybody needs to know about this <laughs> it is, i i am such a zealot about it. i'm like listen get a bath but if you can't get a bath <laughs> get some eucalyptus you do it once and you are good like it is just so beautiful it's so mm -hmm. beautiful um, and that is a really great way to celebrate in bulk since in bulk is so much about the home, the hearth, the and and you extend that, you can extend that into the home of your body, right? The hearth of your body and honoring that part of you. Um, another really inexpensive thing that folks can do if they want to build intentions um, mm -hmm. is do a little planter situation or even light your intention in a fire. Safely and carefully, Please make sure you're not, you, you know, you're using a burn safe item mm -hmm. in a safe way. If you're like, I mean, I'm in an apartment and I've had moments where I'm like, I'm going to do my fire thing. And I was like, no, I'm in an apartment. This is bad. Um, probably close the window for that. That was um, error number one was when I had my beautiful breeze going into paper that was lit on fire. That was not everybody oh was safe. And everything was good. It just gave me the biggest flashback. Talk about baby witch drama. I was 15 and we set like, I don't even know what we were doing. We just lit a bunch of candles and then we kind of forgot. And then one of my friends grabbed a blanket to like lay down and went across all the candles that landed on the floor. <laughs> Thank God the whole house didn't catch on fire, but it just, <laughs> all I remember is there was yep. wax everywhere and our smart idea was just to like cut the carpet. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh, try to fix this. No, it is, um, so that is peak baby with drama. That's amazing. Um, I'm glad that everybody was okay. Obviously, it's more amazing because of that. Um, and it is, I remember the time that I needed to get, oh, this is not the right burn bowl. I need to move it. And my brilliant idea was to lift my burning piece of paper to put it in the yeah. burn bowl as if, you know, it wasn't on fire. And of course, it was dropped. It was it was a whole situation. Um, and... So yes, always be safe if you're doing anything with fire, but fire is a really big, um, even how you explained with the fire water at Samhain, the cross-quarter times are really popular to 
have bonfires of some some kind. Um, so that's another easy way to do that. Is that, I mean, I could keep talking to you. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to ask. <laughs> I was going to ask like 10 more questions, but I won't. I will let you get on with your day and your beautiful kitty. Um, but thank you so much for being here. When, before you go, actually, where and when is the next um, witchy holiday? Yeah, so on February 1st, we have Inbook. Um, and if folks are interested in doing the classes uh, through Instagram on a Novel Ideas uh, page or a Novel Idea slash classes, I believe, a Novel .com slash classes, you can find it. It's taking place January 20th at 6 p.m. So there are three hour classes uh, where two hours lecture style and then an hour is kind of open. What is our plan? What are we going to do? Um, and they're all virtual right now due to, um, you know, the state of the world. <laughs> and they're on Zoom, correct? So you're getting people yes. from across the country. Um, yeah. Yeah. All, so it's 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes. A novel idea, philly.com forward slash classes. Yes, and I might email just to give you the super correct link because sure. I don't want to mess that up. Um, if that's okay, because I'm actually going to do yeah. it right now. I'll add it to the show notes. And otherwise, where can folks find you? Um, I am at Fox und und flora, so F O X U N D F L O R A on Instagram. Um, and if folks have any questions, my email is just ashyesuita at gmail.com. So people are free to, to reach out if they'd like to, to talk more or have questions about anything that came up um, happily. Thank you. I hope they take advantage of that. Um, and I want to thank you again for coming on. It's always yeah. a pleasure to have you. I hope we great. get to talk about something else next time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm <laughs> Always, always enjoy conversation with you, and this was really great. Thank you.